line yeah. or the cotton line or what, whatever. Mm. Because, because people working in these other fields realize just as well that the uh, bill drawn on the petrol retailer is going to mature into gold because people want to drive their cars. People didn't buy the car, put it in the garage and leave it there. So, so what Professor is trying to say is that um, if you've got, say, clothes, petrol, shaving cream, they all have their, their own bills, <coughs> or they would have their own bills that would circulate. So first, first of all, there's a vertical circulation. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, there is a horizontal circulation, and that gives the spontaneity, the, the spontaneous circulation, but it's always the last stage. Bill number three, but it could be bill number thirty-three. Oh yes, later. yes, yes. There could be a lot more stages. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a simplification of the actual process, but there is no limit to the number of you can you can divide the labour up as much as necessary. That's why I would start the numbering down there. Bill number one is the closest to the gold coin. Yeah, and uh, you know. Well, uh, but, but the process starts here, though. <laughs> um, but what Professor is saying is that just like you have Bill 3, which is retailer to petrol wholesaler, you would have the equivalent bill in the clothes part of consumption and the shaving cream part of consumption, etc., etc. But the point is that that Bill 3 <laughs> you know, it's so marketable that anyone would be happy to own it as long as you have a basic grasp of what shaving cream is and you're happy that it will be so. <laughs> okay? But this is the whole point, is that once you get down to the consumer and this Bill 3, it's a very marketable, very marketable item. And it naturally circulates. And why why would a bill naturally circulate? It's because it's an earning asset. And I would rather have a gold earning asset than gold coin. And the whole point about this gold standard, unadulterated gold standard, is that it forces gold coin into circulation. Because under an unadulterated gold standard, no one really wants a large balance of physical gold coin. Which is something that a lot of people who profess to like gold are very confused about. Very, very confused about. They think that you have to hoard gold and use something else as the medium of exchange. A completely bizarre philosophy to hold, but a large number of gold followers do have this. Uh, philosophy. Well, that's because they think of gold as an investment. Yeah. And not as money. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they don't think of gold as such as an investment. I would like to add, maybe they do, but I would like to add that maybe times have changed.
so much that people see that something is wrong. Um, the feeling of security is diminishing. Mm. The feeling to, the urge to hoard increases because, I mean, look at it, since 1980 interest rates have been dropping. Therefore, the propensity to hoard increases for, for like 20 years now yeah, and more and they feel something is wrong and that's why they get the disconnect absolutely they don't want to unhoard under normal circumstances you would have not all these wars going on you would not have all the insecurity you would have stability not only of interest rates but of society in general and you would not think <coughs> twice about Okay, you know, I give you credit. Yes. And perhaps that's also a good reason, you know, um, for, for excusing these people to think the way they do. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a totally natural and um, smart. Uh, the reaction is instinctive and smart. Have, yes. Given that we've erred so far away from yeah. sound. Yeah. Oh, but ultimately, ultimately, money is something that you're just as happy to get rid of in order to get what you want. Under different circumstances. <laughs> the confusing self-preservation of the today's crazy system with a proper monetary system and not understanding that, no, if we transition and okay. all the behaviors that make sense today would not make sense exactly. in yeah. a rational world. This is just a quick example uh, to show a complementary thing to credit from consumption. This is an example of credit from savings. And this is an entrepreneur wishing to, to build a chemical factory from scratch. So uh, this is the process that he goes through. Obtain raw materials and, well, get the loan first. Uh, obtain raw materials. Begin construction, finish construction maybe two years after or a year after stage two. Um, employ engineers and technicians. Uh, furnish your factory with working capital. And then six, produce the chemicals to pay off the bond. And there is no way that any form of credit related to this would circulate naturally or spontaneously. But the bid ask spread would be just too wide. Hmm. Would never narrow, whereas in the case of bills, it tends to be very narrow or even zero because it's a it's a uh, earning earning asset. Earning asset. Well this is also earning but the day to day Well going from one stage the other, there's just a lot of risk involved, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the time. And the time as well. You know, so this is a lot more complex than that, the example of crude oil production that we gave. And, and that's not just theory. These are practical <coughs> facts, hmm. which you could, if you don't believe it, you try to uh, put a bond into circulation or a mortgage into circulation, as they did, you know, the uh, uh, mortgage-backed securities, they did try to put it in circulation, mm. and it was a dismal failure. Big failure. 
big failure. It's like, and the Assignats in front, I think the Assignats were the ones backed by land. Yeah, well, which is the same as trying to circulate a mortgage. And land is up here with equities and property. It, it doesn't liquidate into gold. <laughs> when does it liquidate unless you sell it on purpose? And the beauty about it is that the Assignat problem actually shows that the quantity of the money outstanding has nothing to do with the people's change in the perception of its quality. I haven't got the statistics here, but if you look at the, the uh, whatever it, what unit, the, the, the livre outstanding of assignats versus the value of the property, it was never that the assignats were 50 times uh, in issuance against the value of the property. It was only, I don't even think it was uh, more than 50% over. So you had 100 units of property and 150 units of assignats. But they still collapsed in value. And that's because they realized that you're up here with the backing behind this assignat. And these things don't liquidate into gold unless you're forced to liquidate it into gold. Okay, so that, the assignat thing is a beautiful example of showing that it's the quality of the, uh, the money inverted commas, nothing to do with its quantity at all. So very complicated, would be financed somewhere between here and here, this production process. Certainly would not be financed by the bill market unless you're trying to commit some fraud, which is what we'll uh, talk about now. So a very good example of the, uh, the spontaneous, spontaneous circulation of uh, bills is the, uh, the cotton industry in, um, in northern England during the 18th and 19th century. So northern England um, was, was, the, was the home of the Industrial Revolution where you had all of these uh, factories being built, spinners, weavers, and they concentrated the, 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 the cotton industry in the north of England. Well, it wouldn't have been in the south. That kind of thing has to be done in the north. So um, the Industrial Revolution, you know, was, uh, was in the north. Okay. And just to give an example of how much the mechanization improved the productivity. So in 1780, 100 pounds of cotton uh, sorry, the number of hours required to produce 100 pounds of cotton went from 2,000 in 1780 to less than 200 by um, 1820. So that gives the extent to which, and you must remember <laughs> that, again, with marginal productivity of capital, okay, if you're shifting up the marginal level so quickly, you would have left a lot of people destitute as this was uh, going on. But that's life. Just make sure you're very well educated. Okay. That's exactly what happened. 
Yeah. Because the marginal productivity, that bound, was, was exponentially brought up. So you have to say to yourself, well, what is the benefit of industrial revolution if half of the population are impoverished and living in, in paupers' houses and, uh, and whatnot? But anyway, that's another, another side point. So you had this network of cotton farmers, wholesalers, shippers, importers, spinners, weavers, all of them involved in the, uh, the, cotton, the cotton industry. And the circulation of these bills the bill three, but with cotton, um, occurred spontaneously. And there are many Ludwig von Mises himself goes through the example of uh Lars? That happened uh, later on. But something interesting, very, something very interesting happened just because of the way that you get or you used to have to go to India, basically. And I'm going to explain that now. It led to some very silly situations like huge surpluses of cotton in India, even though India was the cotton exporter. All kinds of bizarre things will happen. And this is the whole point about business first, then the bills. Not bills in the hope of finding the business to fill it, basically. Okay, this comes first, and this is just the representation of that. You don't come up with this and then hope to have all of that to fill in the mess that you've made. Okay. So... Ah, this my assistant did for me. This is sort of like the protosphere behind the, uh, the logosphere here. So the, what we say is the financial market is just really a, a reflection of um, the logospheric um, action. Debt you can call a bond a debt, you can't call a bill a debt. A bill is credit. This is no lending and borrowing. There's no lending, yeah. This is very important. Mm. And a lot of people uh, make a mistake, including Mises, to assume that when you draw a bill, then there's a landing involved. Mm. The wholesaler would land money to the retailer, <laughs> which is just the opposite of what in effect is happening, because the retailer is closer to the gold coin than the wholesaler. So if anything, the paper of the retailer is more marketable. Mm. Superior. Yeah. And, and the idea that there's landing is, is just plain wrong. Mm. And, and once you make that mistake, then <coughs> your whole theory is on very shaky foundations. Yeah. 
At I, no I mean, this is one of my most serious criticisms of, of the economics of Ludwig von Mises. At no stage did we even mention money changing hands. It was either goods or bills. The only oh, by place. By the way, you started talking about that and switched uh, to another topic, but. Let's go back for a moment to that question. Mm. Why is it that uh, there is no gold involved in these higher echelons of, of trade? Because they are trade all the oh, time. Yeah. It's prob this isn't probably the best example because the product itself doesn't change very obviously as you get from here to here. But if you think about the production of a, of a, a suit, when you go to your tailor to have a suit stitched, okay, the cotton is completely different, uh, sorry, the wool is <laughs> a completely different object to the, uh, the final suit. And the most marketable item is the suit at the end of the chain. So how can, how can if, 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 if each person is dealing with a more marketable good, a more money-like good, why would there be a loan from uh, him to him? He's just not in a position to, to uh, make a loan, yeah. the, uh, the, the top guy. It's the lower you go, the more in a position of making a loan you are. Yeah. But these are not loans because merchant custom, which goes back time to time yeah. immemorial, these traders along this vertical line would never ever pay gold for yeah. the shipment of uh, their inputs. Yeah. They would never ever. Yeah. They will finance it on a 90-day basis. So the hope is, of course, not just hope, but this almost certainty that the consumer will release his gold coin within 90 days, and then they distribute mm. that gold coin to each contributor yeah. according to the input. Very important point to grasp. Very good reading. I just want to add that your input to the whole thing is the guy buying the suit. Mm. He's that's where the command comes in. Mm. And if the suit is sold, then wool will come in here and all this chain will work. As soon as the guy doesn't buy the suit, all this stops. Mm. So that's where the, the command signal comes in and all the other part responds. So clearly closer to gold is just the way it is. And it goes this way, the commands go up the chain. And if Fewer suits are sold, fewer bills are drawn. Exactly. I mean, if for some reason there was suddenly no demand for petrol, okay, and then all of these people are left with whatever's in their inventory, well, who has the most marketable inventory? It would be someone here, not someone here. And it's quite possible for the demand for petrol suddenly to go to zero. And these guys need to think of alternative uses for whatever they're, uh, they're doing. But important to remember that there's no lending going on here or borrowing. I want to finish, Keith. Can you do it a little bit? Okay. 
So back to our example. Back to our example. Okay, so this is a map of the world, a representation of the world. And if you wanted to do trade with India before the Panama Canal was built, Swiss. <laughs> I didn't get a very good grade in geography. <laughs> you had to go around uh, the Cape of whatever that is. Or, good Hope. Good Hope. That's that one, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so you, you had to do this journey here, and it took a very, very long time. Very long time. Certainly a lot longer than 90 days. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> and once you had the Suez Canal, the journey was um, a lot shorter. So this is the kind of fraud that was done. Um, that was, uh, this was mentioned in the, uh, the Manchester the Manchester Gazette of 1824. Okay, so Mr. A in London instructs a Mr. B to buy from manufacturer C in Manchester. This is all in your notes, by the way. I'm just reading it out, so I'm not going to write it up. So Mr. A in London instructs a Mr. B to buy from the manufacturer C in Manchester commodities for shipment to a Mr. D in East India. B pays C in six months drafts to be made out by C on B. B secures himself by six month drafts on A. As soon as the goods are shipped, A makes out six month drafts on D against the mailed bill of lading. So the shipper and the cosignee would thus both put in possession of funds months, months, months before they actually paid for it. And these bills were renewed at maturity. Again. It's ghost goods. So that, it's ghost goods basically. You know, as you're saying. And um, I'm reading the second paragraph here. What took place in reference to the exports of goods at home was taking place in the purchase and shipment of produce abroad. Well, anyway, I'll let you read it yourself. It's all here. But the point is that this fraud was merely a result of having this extraordinarily long journey, which did have legitimate business in it, but also you could contrive business, okay, to happen because of this length of the journey, and roll over things before the fraud is exposed, basically. So I just encourage you to read that in here. I'm sure it's quite easy for you to figure out how you can defraud the bill market if you want to. 
And just because there was fraud in the bill market doesn't mean that this isn't the way that it should be done. Um, what's the point in having laws if people are going to break them? You know, that's a stupid philosophy. Okay, so this, in summary, is how it's meant to be. What page is that? This is lecture 14. You don't have it? 21, page 21. So in summary, okay, we finished anyway. Just remember this, remember this picture. Remember the bills are here, they're completely different to bonds. <coughs> bills are self-liquidating. There's no question of you getting your gold back or getting the gold from the maturity of the contract. With bonds, there's a less, lesser chance of that happening. And the further the maturity, the, way, uh, the further the maturity of the bond from the current, the less likely it is. Between cup and lip, there's many a slip. Okay. So think about circulation and quality, not uh, quantity and whatever. Okay, circulation of gold and the quality of all of these instruments. And don't confuse the instrument as an object for what it represents, which uh, LVM does. Okay? So that's it. Thank you, Sandy. Welcome. See you all back at uh, four.